Thank you. Uh, give it up for the worship team this morning. Come on, church. That was good stuff. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, church. Always good to be back. Jenny and I had a really good uh, trip. It was a third ministry-related, a third relational-related, and a third vacation. And uh, just really good. It was fun. Uh, Alaska is a cool place. If you ever get the chance, we suggest that you go. It's just a lot of fun. It's actually warmer than we thought it was going to be. Uh, it was 61. And, uh, but it felt like 71. Margaret said it was a dry heat. <laughs> but the last time we went, we did go about four years ago. It was, it was cold and rainy, and that was kind of cool too. But, we, man, we saw whales. We saw bear. We saw eagles. We saw salmon swimming upstream. It was just really cool. Everything you see on National Geographic and then some. Should I explain the blowing, the blowing net? Blow netting? Blow netting, it's called. So you only see it like National Geographic came in to film it, and they didn't see it. Um, so we really felt privileged. It was like 2% of the time if you go on a whale watch, you see uh, this particular thing. And there's only supposed to be eight dominant female whales in the world. I don't know how they know that, but this is what they say. And so anyways, the young uh, whales, young adult whales will swim upside down, and they'll circle a pot of fish or a school of fish, and their white bellies confuse the fish. And then other, the, all the rest of the whales, except for the dominant female whale, all the other whales will get below that, that school of fish, and they'll blow air through their, you know, whatever that thing is called, blowhole. And then they'll make sense, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I thought it would be something complicated, you know, some kind of Latin verse or something, blowhole. And so the air will come up, and it'll push all the fish up, and then the dominant female will whistle or kind of make a high-pitched noise, and all the whales will, like, we saw like 15 whales coming out of the water together to grab all the fish out of the air, and then the birds get the aftermath. Well, the dominant male, female, according to our guide, because when, when the female's mad because they didn't do it right, she'll come down the, and they'll do, she'll do what is called a breach. She'll slap the water and make a big splash. Well, she kept coming back down. So we were able to see the, our guide said, well, she's training the young. She's having patience with them. And so we were able to see that same act five different times. All these whale come out. National Geographic and BBC flew in and spent like two or three weeks there. And they didn't get to see it at all. We saw it on the, on the boat five different times. So it was a cool experience and everything was really neat. But what a really cool thing that was. And so a lot of fun. Um, Man, it was, it was good. I want to tell you just about small groups. If you uh, want to lead a small group, see Marcus. Uh, we, we ask that maybe you've already been in a small group for it, at least a short time before you lead one. But I used to lead a small group. Jenny and I have led small groups all our 15 years here. But I led one individually um, on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. Not too many people want to show up Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. But I thought... You know, let's see who wants to come. Well, there was about two or three that came. One man, uh, his name was Charles, and he had just really gotten saved. He was kind of in and out of church, older gentleman, uh, didn't really know a lot about the Lord. And he just, like, was a sponge, you know. He just gravitated to every word that we spoke about, we prayed. I had another leader in the church that came, and, and we would just talk about ideas, talk about scripture, and you could just see Charles growing every single day in the Lord. About a year or so, we did it for, I think, two semesters, and then about a year or so later, Charles went home to be with the Lord, and I, I thought how, how cool that was for me. To be able to spend time with someone now that's on the other side who just individually you could see week by week uh, growing in the Lord. So if you want to be a small group leader, uh, it's not a job. It's, a, it's an opportunity just to be able to serve God and his kingdom. And you never know what difference you'll make in the life of somebody or the Holy Spirit will make in the life of somebody. It's just a really cool thing. Amen? So it, it's really good. Well, we have uh, with us today uh, people that come to our church all the time. But we have Amanda and Nana Ordonis. Stand with me this morning. Uh, give them a hand of appreciation because they are missionaries to Nicaragua. And uh, we are their home church. We're their home base. And uh, they had a, have a $10,000 need uh, in Nicaragua. That's the bad news. Uh, the good news is um, we, they were able to sell a small parcel of 
property and pay and get 5000 of it, okay? So the good news is we only have to come up with $5,000 rather than ten because we're the home church and this is what Grace Church does, amen? Now, the, the bad news is we still need five. The good news is that I was able to accomplish a good portion of that in the first service. So uh, the bad news is that we still need some more money. We need it from you. So, But we only need about $500. So I need five people that will say, I'll give $100 towards uh, the Nicaragua. So we got one there. We got two. We got three. We got four. We got five. There we go. So we got all 5000 for you guys. And so we're, we're good. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. You can just make it out to Grace Church, or if you give on the kiosk, just put it in the uh, missions or either, even benevolence, and we'll make sure that everything gets given to them. Brian's out of town. As soon as you get back in, we'll get you a check, all right? Praise the Lord. We love these guys. Amazing. They feed 15,000 meals a day. A day. My, my mom had eight kids. It felt like she was making 15,000 meals a day, but, that, I mean, that's legit. 15,000 meals a day, that's a lot of food, so... Thank you guys for what you do for the kingdom of God, first of all. And thank you for letting Grace Church help you with that need. Amen? So, praise the Lord. All righty. Uh, I like today's message. It's a little bit uh, deep. Uh, there's some, not theological, but there's some Mark beliefs in there. And so I'll tell you. I'll just switch through to you. don't ever want to lead you astray. Just kind of some thought process that we'll go through. But today's message is really on handling some adversity uh, maybe from other people. Maybe there's some people in your life that, you know, they just, you know, they're always like argumentative or they're always wanting to debate you. They're always kind of knocking you for some reason. I want to show you how to walk through that, how Isaac walked through it. And then at the end, we'll talk about a couple things that maybe Isaac's family could have done that maybe presented a different venue in life. It's, it's important. Uh, and so probably at my age, I'm sure, uh, and Landon, by the way, congratulations, 40 years, that's a, that's a big deal. Really cool, and, and Lisa and Henry, 38, man, well, I can't wait till I get there. Um, Shady and I will celebrate 43 in a couple of weeks, so, uh, but we got married in our middle school, you know, so <laughs> just, just so you're aware, just so you're aware of that. Uh, <laughs> we're not that old. <laughs> yeah, you are. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, but I... Sometimes in life, uh, people don't want to see you get ahead. People don't want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you prosper. They don't want to see you be in good health. They're, they're okay if you're doing good, just not quite as good as them. And so then these different trials come about. And we'll talk about that today because this is part of the whole Genesis 26. Genesis 26, theologians, I said it a couple weeks ago, theologians call this the blessed assurance chapter. In the scriptures. And it's cool, uh, Jenny's going to sing the old time rendition uh, when we're done, because we need to know uh, the blessed assurance of our Lord and that he will walk us through things in life. And, and sometimes it doesn't look like we're making much headway, but I want you to know that God's in charge every single day. Barbara, God's in charge every single day, every situation that, that we have, right? So let's read the scripture. And then we'll pray and we'll move on. He, this is Isaac, had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with the earth all the wells that his father's servants had dung, dug in the days of Abraham's father. The Philistines forever had been a hindrance to the Israelites. You need to know that. They filled in the wells. They, all the gath, uh, uh, gath was part of the Philistines, and that's where the giant came from. So all through eternity or life, the Philistines were just roughing up Israel. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And Abimelech said to Isaac, hey, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. They put earth in them. They filled them all up. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one as well. So he called the name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, 
saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And we pray, Lord, that we would just open our hearts and ears and mind to receive what you have for each and every one of us. Father, Lord, to move according to your will and your way. We thank you. Help us to be, Father, Lord, the, the Abraham, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Josephs, the Davids. Lord, help us to be Christ-like in our walk even this week as we walk through this message today together. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said... Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we, we see today how Isaac handles a little bit of adversity in his life. And I like the, the example that he gives us, what he shows for us in that realm. When we walk through things together, okay, it, it seems like we have some strength. Isaac is a little bit by himself, and he's got these, he, these leaders, he's got these herdsmen, that he's working and he's paying, and they're out doing what they're supposed to do, but they keep making the Philistines mad. And so we're going to walk through the five different wells, if you will, in this chapter so that we can learn from them on how to handle the things that maybe the enemy will throw at. The first is the well of envy. Every now and then when you get successful in life, or you have personal success, or you're working hard at a business, there might be other people that are envious or jealous of you. The Philistines went from being very friendly to very hostile because they said, you're mightier than we are. We're envious. because you, You're getting the water. We're not. You're digging the wells. We're not. You're getting, reaping a hundredfold. We're not. Why are these things happening uh, to you and not to us? So there's a, a spirit of envy that raises up. And envy and jealousy will ruin a lot of relationships. Uh, uh, maybe in a marriage or in a friendship, maybe in a, uh, you know, a business realm or even in churches. Some churches are envious of others. Jenny spoke a minute ago of how we built good uh, lasting relationship with pastors on, uh, on, the, on the trip that we were on. Uh, and we're talking like people that maybe we had just met but felt like we've known for 20 years or so. It's amazing how God will put things together when you're not jealous of somebody else, when you're not envious of somebody else, how you can really see how what you can bring to the table versus what you take away. If you're growing your business or you're growing your family or you're growing your education, sometimes people don't like that. Like who do they think they are trying going back and getting the, a degree or their uh, postgraduate degree or building a business like OJ here is on on the front seat. Guys, he's got more businesses than he has kids, and he's got a lot of kids. He's always doing something. He's always dabbling. I like that. It's like, but you know, that shouldn't that shouldn't bring about envy. That should bring about uh, appreciation, gladness. You know, I, I like the younger people, and I could point them out. I, Kurt and Ashley and different Marcus and Cherry, just different ones. I, I like the people that are just, they have their hands in different things, and they're growing, the, they're growing themselves, and, they're, and, and Emily turned 30. Isn't that the coolest thing? Welcome to the club, Emily. Yes. 30. That was, seemed so long ago. I forget what 30s felt like. Andrew said the other day that he's... He's 31 years younger than me, uh, and he said, <laughs> it's, the, it's the funniest thing in the world. He said, when I was nine and you turned 40, he said, I thought, dear God, he's old. I'm not going to have him long at all. <laughs> I'm hoping to beat those odds. So, <laughs> But we appreciate people in our lives. We love them. We're not envious of them. We're not jealous. I'll give you a, a, a true story. When Janie and I were young and all of our friends, we had two or three kids really rapidly, and our friends were buying houses and different things. And I went before the Lord, and I said, God, why is so-and-so getting a house? And I would even say this, we're more faithful than them. We go to church more than they do. <laughs> I go to prayer meeting every morning. And I was complaining to the Lord, and the Lord was like, Stop. Why don't you start? Why don't you start being happy for those friends that are buying those houses and all that? And there's a good friend of mine named Mike. He bought a big house, a five-bedroom house, and he restored it and redid it. So I practiced that. I said, "God, thank you for Mike getting that big old house." And 
and uh, working it over. Lord, I'm so happy for him and can't wait till my day. Well, it was about four years later. We ended up buying that same house from Mike and lived in it for five years. Be happy for people that are doing things in life and be and be appreciative of them. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous. Don't don't. This is what the Philistines were doing. And here's what Isaac did. Now here, Isaac does this very cool thing. He just moves on. So you're going to be envious. You're going to be jealous. I'm just going to move on to my next level of life. It's almost like he grew a level, okay? He didn't stay with those that were being jealous and envious. He moved up to another level. He said, okay, I'm going to go. So he actually goes and he builds another well. And that other well now is called argument. In fact, the word he uses is esek. It's where we get our word lawsuit from or debate from, okay? It's where we start to argue one with another. And so it's a law term, and we have attorneys uh, even in our church, and we appreciate them, but we need to be careful that we don't let the courts settle our matters for us, okay? It, it, they started this argument and this, this, uh, this, this part of uh, a quarreling, and so uh, the Philistines were quarrel with Isaac's guys. That's our well. What are you doing taking that? That's our water. Well, first of all, it wasn't. It was Isaac's father, Abraham, who dug the wells. It was the Philistines who filled the, the wells in because there's no water, there's no life, right? And so the water becomes for us a very spiritual and a very physical thing. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is the spirit of the living God flowing out of us each and every day and how we can learn to grow in Christ. And of course, you can't live it more than two or three days without any water at all. So water is both physical and spiritual. Abraham dug the walls, wells for his family. The Philistines came back because they were continual tormentors of Israel. Just like the enemy, Satan is a continual tormentor of you. So you, all, you have to stay alive with spiritual water to keep that river flowing in your life. Otherwise, you can't fight him just with your own uh, cardinal ideas and welfare, okay? The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal to the pulling down strongholds. They're, they're issues that we walk through spiritually, okay? And so they would argue back and forth. And so Isaac moved from that well. Again, he, all right, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be envy. I'm not going to fall into that trap. I'm not going to fall into the trap of argument. And by the way, I'll say this. This is things that we see in the political scene, especially with a, an election year next year. You'll see how people really never talk about their topic. They talk about what the other person's faults are. They're arguing back and forth. And we need to pray uh, in America that whoever surfaces would be honest and pure and a person that has convictions not only for God but for our country. Amen? And then when we when we understand that we can pray, then we don't have to argue back and forth. So Isaac's not going to fall into the quarreling or the arguing. He goes and digs another well, and this well is called accusations. In fact, it's called sitna, which means Satan or accuser. So we see now that it, it kind of grows. It grows from envy or jealousy, okay, to arguing or opposition to full on or opposition to full on accusations. And this is a depth of knowledge that the enemy will use. First of all, maybe someone's envious of you, or maybe you're envious of somebody else. Why? Why do they have that house or that car or that job? Well, maybe they worked for it. Maybe they were just in the right spot at the right time. Maybe they prayed earnestly and diligently. I, I have a sales background, and I'd be honest with you, I don't think I was that good of a salesperson, but I had a praying wife. And I went to prayer meeting every morning at 5 a.m. and prayed for two hours that the Lord would shine favor upon me, and he did. And because of that favor, my salary tripled over nine years of full-time selling. And, and I just it, it was just simply a God thing. But I made a lot of people mad. People in our office didn't uh, that were also in sales and working on commission, they thought I had all the good accounts. But God opened the door for them. And so people will accuse you of things, but it starts out as jealousy. It starts out as envy. And then all of a sudden, there becomes an argument. Never talk to someone who, that their whole spirit is argumentative, like, hey, it's sunny outside. No, it's not. Not sunny at all. There's a cloud up there. Like, dude, it's sunny out there. Is this, let's, let's just face No, it's not sunny. Or it's too hot. There's always something in their spirit that causes them to want to argue or want to debate. It's like a trick of the enemy because here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring doubt and disbelief and discord in your life. 
He wants to make it to where you're not happy. And you, you can't argue with someone that's joyful. It's, just, it's almost impossible. Like, you can't make them mad. It, it's just totally impossible. Like, hey, you know, you'll tell them these three things are wrong or happening in, in life or in general or maybe in the, in the United States. And like, oh, it's going to be all right. They're already positive. They don't argue. And then all of a sudden, though, the enemy wants to accuse things. So here, here's the take on this. In Job, remember, uh, Satan would, be, would come before God, and God would even say, what are you, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm looking for somebody to, to, to harass. And, 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 you know, he would say, God would say, well, have you, have you, you know, looked at my, my friend Mike, Michael Hager? Have you want to harass him for a while? And, and Satan would be like, well, yeah, Mike's an easy pick. I'll go ahead and mess with him a little bit, and I'll throw some disease his way or something, or I'll mess him up with this and that. But he keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back, and he can't, he can't mess with someone like Michael who's strong in their foundation in the Lord. Well, in Revelations, John sees a war break out in heavenlies. It's the 12th chapter, 7 through 12. That war has already taken place. So now Satan can't go back in front of God anymore. And we know this because of Luke 10 where Jesus said, I saw Satan as like lightning fall from heaven. Also, Ezekiel 28 says the same thing, that cherubim that fell. We all believe that was Lucifer or Satan. So he can't go in front of God anymore and accuse brothers and sisters in the Lord. What he does, though, is he goes to brothers and sisters in the Lord and he tries to bring an accusation with them. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Well, it's too bad. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's pray for him. But they're not really praying. They're just gossiping along the way. And so we, if we're not careful, we become accusers of the brother because the accuser of the brother, he's fallen. He can't go in front of God anymore. So all of his accusations have to be between us or in us or because of us. And so to do that work, then we, we become doing the work of Satan. So this is why God said, love, Jesus said, he's quoting Deuteronomy, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, love him with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And if we love our neighbor as ourself, that becomes a reflection of who we are in Christ. But if we don't love our neighbor, that becomes a reflection of who we are in Christ as well. So the more God we get in us, the more we love people, right? That doesn't mean that you might have differing views, you might have different thoughts, philosophical beliefs, political beliefs, financial beliefs, economic beliefs, whatever, but at the same time, we still love them as God's creation. If we love them as God's creation because we love the Father, we know that God's doing a work in them just like he's doing a work in us, and then we don't accuse them of things, right? So we have this accusation process. Well, Isaac was building another well, and this was the sitting in the well, and they came back to him and said, they're accusing, now you're stealing our land, now you're stealing our water, now you're stealing this. And, and so he goes from envy, right? There's a process, there's envy, all right, then there's quarreling or arguments, and now there's full-on accusations. Well, this is the method of sabotage. This is what the enemy uses all through life, and you'll see this even in different realms, maybe politically or, or, or even financially. You'll see businesses, they'll blame somebody, a bad CEO or whatever. It's envy, it's arguments and his accusations. So Isaac does one more thing, then he steps back and says, okay, we won't dig our well here, we'll move to another place, and this is the room well. This well is called Rehoboth, which means wide open spaces. Now, leave this for a second. Uh, Janie and I were in Colorado years ago with the kids, and we were driving down a highway just outside of Winter Park, going on our way to the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and over on the right, there was, like in the middle of no where there was a concert stage and there was lights and there was trucks and generators and one of the groups was there filming their song Wide Open Spaces and it was just the coolest thing because it was wide open in a valley with just nothing but mountains all the way around. Very scenic, very beautiful, but it makes us think that, listen, if we make room for God, God will make room for us right? It's important that we understand that there's room at the cross for every person in this room. If you're not a Christ follower, you can become a Christ follower, right? People will say, well, yeah, but I, I mean, you got to prove it to me. I, just go outside. I mean, just look up in the stars, look up in the skies, look, look at the ocean, look at the mountains, just, just, just look at a loved one in their eyes, and you know there's a creator of the heavens and earth. You know that there's, there's stars and there's waves. You don't have to go to Alaska or Nebraska. <laughs> 
you can go to you can go to the Blue Ridge Mountains right here in North Carolina. Understand, God is real. God is alive. So when we understand that there's room, that God makes room for us, and the more room I make for God, the more room He makes for me. Because the more God that I want to get, so I've made a, a commitment, I guess, to myself maybe, and I haven't talked about it much, but Janie's picked up on it. I try to now uh, throughout the day read my my Bible as much or more than I watch a television show. You know, so if, I, if I'm going to watch television for maybe an hour or so at night, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm in my word for an hour or two during the day. I know you say, Pastor, you get paid for that. No, this is personal time. This isn't study time or anything. This is just time around the house or if I'm sitting on our sun porch or maybe in the backyard. This is me just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read and engulf. I'm going to make room for the Lord. And I promise you this, the more room you make, for God, the more room he'll make for you, all right? And it's, it's just, it's, if we seek, at, yeah, give the Lord just a shout of praise. It's, it's okay to do that. If you, if you get in touch with Jesus, like, you know, if you seek after him, you'll find him. But then once you find him, he wants you to keep seeking. It's not like a one-time thing. Salvation is not a one-time check the box and move over, okay? It's, it's a thing that when we start a relationship with Christ, we continue to grow in that relationship over and over and over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's just a, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And right now then, Isaac becomes prosperous and he starts to abound in God's goodness and grace. It was like the first three wells were almost trial. Like, I'm going to dig this well, but they're going to be envious. Okay, how are you going to handle that trial in your life? I'm going to dig this well, and they're going to start to argue, and they're going to quarrel with me. How are you going to handle that situation? Are you going to, are you going to be vengeful? Or are you going to say, hey, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. I'm going, to let, I'm going to let God go ahead and just handle this. I'm going to move on to the next well. And then the next well becomes a well of room, or, or actually that, that one was, was the accusation. So, man, it's like they keep hitting me hard, and they keep going after me. I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm not going to fight back, I'm going to go dig another well. And the wells are metaphors for things in our life and how we handle things. And all of a sudden there just becomes this room. And it becomes literally wide open space. If you've ever been into any of the western states, you know, uh, Wyoming or Colorado, Utah, Montana, uh, they're beautiful, but yet they're wide open. Like you see, when we would go to Colorado every year, Janie around North Platte, which is still five hours from the mountains, she would tell the kids, I see the mountains right there, kids. I said, I said, you don't see the mountains, honey. You can't see them. It's impossible. I see them, Mark. I see them right there. I said, those are clouds. No, they're mountains. I, just stop it. I'm, I'm telling the kids, I see the mountains. I know you see the mountains, but they're not there. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and, she, and it was kind of neat in a way, though. There was a real faith uh, conversation there, right? Sometimes you literally have to see it in your spirit before you see it in the physical. God, if you're making room for God, you might need to start calling those things out before they happen. Because then when they do happen, God says, hey, I know you made room for me. Now I'm making room for you, son or daughter. Give, just give the Lord a shout just in faith right now, knowing that he's going to move on your behalf, right? So it's so the coolest thing. So it literally means wide open spaces. So in other words, because in this constricted area, uh, Isaac couldn't build the wells or dig the wells he wanted to, that his father, by the way, had already dug. Keep that in mind. And the Philistines came and filled them in. Keep that in mind. He went to a space that was new and fresh, and all of a sudden there's room everywhere for him to dig wells. God's potential for you is tremendous as long as you walk through it. It's when we decide not to walk through the potential that he's given us or not listen to the promises that he's given us that we sit back and say, well, how come they're blessed? Or how come they're, they have peace through that situation? How come they're walking through that and, and, not, and it's not bothering them? Why? Because they've spent time with God, and now God is spending time with them. It's a give-and-take relationship. Every good relationship is give-and-take, right? Uh, you can't have a relationship where you're always taking all the time. And it's really hard to have a relationship where you're giving all the time. It has to be give-and-take. That's the way God wants it as well. Well, then another well takes place, and that's the well of restoration. So if you're taking notes, the first three you see are envy, arguments, accusations, like, oh, man, this is part of my life. Well, then it's making room, because you've made room for God, and then there's restoration. To finish the story, as Paul Harvey used to say way back in the day when I was younger, uh, he would tell the story, now the rest of the story. Later on in the chapter, we won't read it today, the Philistines come back. Abimelech comes back uh, with the Philistines to Isaac and says, hey, 
we were wrong. We treated you wrong. We, we recognize now that you are a person of God, that you're a person that loves, that loves God and follows him. We want to restore our relationship. We want to repair our relationship. Think about that for a moment because it's, it's a real personal thing now that Isaac's going through. And, and maybe you have a relationship today that seems irreparable. If you make room for God and don't get caught up in the accusations, the envy, the strife, the arguments and those type of things. If you just say, you know, soft answer, truth, really rad. I'm just going to love. I'm just going to trust. I'm going to obey God. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to move into this place. Now all of a sudden I feel like God's making room for me. I'm making room for God. And before you know it, a miracle of restoration takes place that you're like, how in the world did that come about? I won't, uh, I, you may have heard this before, but uh, I'm not ashamed to say that my wife and my mother had a strange relationship when we first got, uh, we first got married. I was the youngest of eight, the first of 70 to really step outside the church. I, I probably didn't portray salvation the way I needed to. Uh, when you get saved and you start telling people, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't put down the cigarette and the beer, that's not a good witness. You, you need to love. Do, do as I say, not do as I do. And so our relationship, their relationship was strained. And, and Janie had written her just a nice little note card one, one day and talked about just love and forgiveness and all that. And, and my mom really turned and, 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 and their relationship became much stronger and much better. And, and maybe you have a relationship like that. Maybe, maybe your relationship uh, with a loved one is strained. Well, if you do the things God tells you to do, and you don't get caught up in the envy, arguments, and accusation, but you make room for God, somehow, some way, through a miracle, he'll, he'll restore those things. He'll restore those lost relationships for you. Janie, by the way, uh, led, led my mother uh, in, in her last hours just through a, a prayer of salvation. And uh, it was just a, just a heartful, beautiful moment. Uh, and we know that we'll see her again on the other side. So we're, we're thankful uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, but I want to tell you that God restores people. And he restores people by you doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. There's a huge restoration that, that takes place. It, 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 Isaac makes them a feast. He, I mean, he cooks them dinner. I, he, he, he throws on some filet mignon on the grill, and, and uh, he sautés some mushrooms, and, and he melts some butter. And then he gets a you know, nice piece of you know, strawberry shortcake, and, and like he has a feast. That's, that's a feast in my mind. It's got to have strawberry shortcake, got to have filet, got to have some steaks. Hager family, cook some steaks out this afternoon, there, just, so you, just so you know. I try to, they always like when I talk about food because then they go eat it. Filet mignon, banquet wrapped filet mignon on the grill or in a restaurant somewhere in town. Isaac makes his, so listen, by the way, when, when, when total restoration takes place, you can't hold it against the person. Isaac makes them a feast, like he cooks for them. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's water beneath the bridge. Let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's do this thing together. That's really cool if you think about it because so many times we're like, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to hold it against you the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like you got to kind of forgive and forget, right? I mean, it's important to do that. That's part of forgiving. You may not ever forget everything totally. But you can't hold it against that person. You've got to walk in forgiveness, love and mercy and grace. The things that we accept and expect from God are the things that God wants us to accept and expect to other people, right? So you can't just get grace and not give grace. That doesn't work that way. You can't just get mercy and not give mercy. You can't just get love and not give love. You, know, you have to do those things. But if you do those things, then that's restoration. And then true restoration is like the whole thing. It's cooking the meal out. It's, a, it's having those people that used to be your enemy like over for dinner. Well, I can't do that. Well, maybe God doesn't expect that of you. Maybe he's not uh, planning on that for you. But Isaac did it. Now, kind of the rest of the story here a little bit, I'm wondering, like, Philistines, why were they so angry? Why were they so, why were they so mean, you know, to the to Israelites? What, what's up with that? Why are, they, why are these people? And, and go back to the scripture for a moment in Genesis, the 11th chapter. Genesis 11 talks about the Tower of Babel. And we kind of we leave it at that. Tower of Babel uh, talks about unity. They were so together as one. They wanted to build a tower to heaven. And God actually said, hey, if we don't go down there and confuse them, they're going to build a tower up to the heavens. That is astonishing if you ask me. 
And I'm a Bible guy. I believe what the word says. I know some of it's metaphorical and some of it's, you know, cultural, some of it's historical. But in this particular case, God and, and Jesus, Holy Spirit, they come down and they confuse their languages so they can't work together. That's, that's kind of where we get it. And then Acts, the second chapter, those languages are restored because everybody heard their own language on the day of, of Pentecost, right, through the tongues that were, were spoken. But if you read the last two verses of the 11th chapter of Genesis, it, it reads like this. Terah, Terah was Abram's, Abram became Abraham. Terah was Abram's father. Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran. Haran had died. His grandson and Sarai, that ends up becoming Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Then the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. All right, if you're reading through the Bible, you're pretty much passing over this. Like, I'm flipping the page. I'm going to Genesis 12 chapter. I'm going to read about the seven blessings of, of Abraham. It's all going to be good because I'm part of all every nation, and I'm one of those people that are all people, and I want God's blessings. But you look at this, these two verses for a moment, and it's like, huh, huh, like, Terah maybe was commissioned by God to go to Canaan, and he didn't? Could, could it read Terah, Abraham, and Isaac versus Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I mean, was the promise or could the promise? And this is just me speaking. Maybe do a Bible study on this week and maybe even correct me next week if I'm wrong. But this is just me speaking. Could it have been that maybe Terah was given a promise to go to Canaan, but he couldn't because of maybe sorrow or, or, or disbelief or unbelief. He stopped in the land of Iran, where if he went to Canaan, then the Philistines aren't filling in the wells because, see, in, in Canaan at that time, there were no Philistines, there were no Canaanites, there were no uh, Hittites, there were no Hivites, there were no Parasites. There were none of the, none of the group that uh, Joshua and Caleb had to fight 39 battles and defeat 33 kings in Joshua. None of that existed if Terah makes it to Canaan. Now think about that for a second for the Bible scholars out there. If you're, if you're saying, now I wonder why Terah didn't go, wonder what would have happened if he did. Because there's about 100 years of generation there from Terah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, which is actually Israel, then to Joseph. There's 100 or 125 years of generation. And then Joseph leads them into Egypt where then they are bound in slavery for 400 years. And then they wander in a desert for 40 years. So loosely or roughly 550 years later from what Terah set out to do, do they actually make it to the land of Canaan? And I wonder in my spirit that maybe that's us sometimes. Maybe that God's called us or commissioned something for us to do, and we don't do it. Are we actually setting our family back a little bit? Are we, are we actually, or did maybe our parents were called to do, our great-grandparents were called to do something? I'm thankful for Janie's great-grandmother who came to, who was displaced, her family, or her, her, her yeah, her family was displaced, displaced from uh, Cherokee, North Carolina, the reservation to Oklahoma. And then when they found Oklahoma, they were displaced from Oklahoma to Kansas. But there's a revival going on in Topeka, Kansas. And because of all that displacement, she receives Christ. And then that whole family starts a, a trend of salvation that takes place. Bible-believing, full gospel, love Jesus, Pentecostal, tongue-speaking, salvation that says, hey, we believe God can do anything. But because of her displacement, God restores a generation. But what if, what if great-grandma would have, wouldn't have ended up in Topeka? What if nothing would have happened? Then at maybe some point in time, somebody else gets introduced to Christ. But Tara stops in Haran when, he, when the Bible says he was going to Canaan. That's Israel today, by the way. That's Jerusalem. How many years of heartache... Or, or did it cost them if he would have just made it to Canaan? Think about that, Bible scholars. Think about that. Just think, wow. I, I, when, when you start to put that together and realize, man, it cost them 550 years. 
Now, the Bible says one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So I wonder, as the worship team comes back, then, is it possible that we can... That we could change the scope of history? That one day, well, one day, one, one, one decision by Abram, or by Terah, rather, uh, really cost Israel, the nation, 550 years, which they weren't even a nation yet. But in our lives, maybe what would happen if, if one year can change, one day can change a thousand years, and it pretty much did with Terah and Abram and Sarai, Lot and the family, can, can a thousand years be changed in one day? And so I want to speak to parents for a second. Everybody stand with me, just whether you're a parent or not. Please stand for a second. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge you for a moment. I want to, I want to talk this thing out. What if, what if maybe there's a, a, a challenge on your family? Maybe there's a challenge on your life. I read a story a while back, and I could give you the preacher's name, but I won't. It's a big church uh, in the Atlanta area. And they built a big 3,500-seat auditorium. It's beautiful auditorium. Jane and I have been there. And uh, there was a man sitting up here where Marcus is sitting, about the same place when the church was early on. And they had just built it. And, and, uh, and he was weeping. He was crying. And, uh, and so the preacher, after service, went over and said, Sir, can I minister to you? Can I pray with you? He said, Yeah. He said, man, I'm so glad of what's going on here. And so glad of what you're doing. And he talked like he knew him. And, and the, the preacher didn't know him at all. He didn't believe it. He'd never met him before. He said, well, Yeah. He said, well, Man, God's really blessing. He said, No, 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 no. He said, You don't understand. 30 years ago, I saw this building. And the preacher said, Sir, we've only been open you know, in this facility for two or three weeks. I know. I used to pastor this church. I saw this building. God gave it to me in a dream. And I didn't have the faith to go on. So God brought somebody else in to take over that vision. And I would say this to parents. Maybe today you don't have the faith to go on. Maybe the kids are just too, too tough to handle. Or maybe, the, maybe the, 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 that second job is just too much to, to take. But you're doing everything that you can, everything that you know how. I would say continue the task. Keep making room for God. God will keep making room for you. And, and, and when he prayed with that, that, that pastor that had the vision for the building but didn't have the faith to carry it out, this, this preacher broke down in tears as well. He said, God, you, you thought so much of me to be able to. And God said, you were just next in line, man. And so sometimes we make decisions in our life that aren't, that like, Lord, why would, you, why would you have me do this? And sometimes it's not even about you. It's about your sons or your daughters or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Or maybe someone in your life ahead of you, maybe a parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, made some bad decisions or some bad choices. You don't have to live with them. You can change that today. One day can change a 1,000 years in the past. A 1,000 years can be changed in one day. One day can change a 1,000 years in the future. If today you say, hey, this is my day. So here's what I'd like to do. Every person here that's a parent, I'd like you to come up front. I want to pray for you that the legacy in your life, the generation in your life will be. So if you're a parent, come on up. Just proud in the front as close as you can. And I've asked Janie to sing Blessed Assurance today. Uh, old school way. Uh, the, 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 the southern gospel way if she can. And then we're going to sing the song. She's going to sing the song Making Room. Because I want you to make room for God today. Wait, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you have in store for me, I want to be generational. I want to be a generation of blessing to my children, to my grandchildren. I want to be a generational blessing to my church, to my community, whatever it is. But today maybe you're, you're saying, man, I wish my dad wouldn't have been dot, dot, dot. Or my mom wouldn't have been dot, dot, dot. Or I wish they, this wouldn't be in my family, dot, dot, dot. You can change it today. Right here today, you can change a thousand years, scripturally speaking. But what if Abraham's father, Terah, would have went to Canaan? He maybe, he maybe would have just alleviated a lot of heartache. Why not today? Why not you pray today? 
Why not change that possible heartache? Why not add blessings to your life? If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands towards heaven. I'm going to pray for you. Jenny's going to sing, and we're going to ask the Lord just to minister to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now against any generational curse, against any generational legacy of addictions or, uh, Lord, ill fortitude. We pray for generational blessings right now. We pray for life and that in abundance, oh God. We pray for parents specifically today because they can make decisions that will uh, that will affect their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you give them peace and wisdom and, and then fortitude. Father, Lord, to uh, Lord, to keep digging wells, to keep moving on. And if people bring up a problem, accusations or envy or strife or arguments, Lord, that they'll just dig another well. Lord, that you will make room for them as they make room for you. Father, we thank you, God, Lord, that you're restoring hearts right now, restoring belief, restore promises, restore faith, restore life right now, Lord, especially and specifically in our parents, but everybody in this house, God, would you, Lord, would you reward them for their diligence, Father, Lord, and their good works. As we bless you today, Lord, as we close with singing, Father, Lord, would you speak to people individually, Lord, for restoration to take place. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Say it in front. Just continue.
How many of you received that message today? Isn't that a powerful word? Just keep digging that well. Amen. Don't give up. Have the faith to persevere. You know, uh, Isaac's example is such a good example about how to dig the wells. You know, the manner in which we conduct ourselves. You know, it's not enough to just dig a well. It's, it's the way that we do it. Um, this is not a paid ad, but I was listening to Amanda and Anna's podcast last week. And they were talking about Nana here. Thank you for the work in Nicaragua. I might get the story wrong. You can listen to it. But they were digging a well in Nicaragua for water. And, uh, you know, they dug, with, with the help of a contractor, they dug 100 feet deep. And that wasn't deep enough. So they said, all right, we're going to go 200 feet. That wasn't enough. It takes hours and hours and hours. They go 225 feet, 230, 250 feet deep. And, and Nana's husband, Larry, right? He said, all right, I'm going to pay this guy and get him out of here because this is all we're going to get. They got five gallons of water per hour or whatever it was. You can find the details out. Then he heard from the Lord and he said, you know what? Let's just go 10 more feet, 20 more feet, whatever it was. So he said, all right, we're going to go, hey, wait, just go 10 more feet. So they go 10 more feet down, and they hit an underground water of just river that was flowing. Unlimited water. Because he obeyed the voice of the Lord to say, let's go 10 more feet. And the point of what Nana was saying, what Amanda was saying is, what if you stopped because you were tired? And you said, you know what, I'm just going to give up. But what if you were 10 feet from your miracle? What if you were 10 feet from receiving the promise that God has for you? So in your life, I mean, that's a real story that happened about like real people that are sitting here today. But in your life today, what if you said, God, I'm believing you for a miracle. Maybe you didn't come forward because you're saying, I'm believing you for children and I just haven't seen them yet. Hey, well, don't, don't stop. But also the way you conduct yourself in that time, it's not, it's not enough just to be married for 40 years. It's how, how was the past four decades, you know? It's not enough just to be single waiting on the Lord. How are you doing in your singleness in your attitude towards God, you know, in your faithfulness to Him, are you saying, God, I'm surrendering to you? So in this, uh, you know, I'm gonna close in prayer, but I just wanna encourage you, keep the faith and keep pressing on. You might be 10 feet from your miracle, you might be 150 feet, I don't know where you're at, but I encourage you just to keep the faith and to keep pressing on, and the way you're doing this matters have that faith. Let's just close in a word of prayer and just believe that God's going to finish what he started in this sermon today. Lord, I thank you for meeting us here in this place. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is here, alive and active in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each and every person here today. Lord, those that are searching for miracles, Lord, the parents that are up here at the front of this church, I pray that you bless them because that is such a hard job full of so, full of so much sacrifice, and I pray that you would give them the grace and the mercy, Lord, to continue to parent their biological children in whatever way you've called them to do that. Lord, and for every person here, however we are sowing seed into this generation and the next, Lord, I pray that our lives, God, regardless of our uh, parent status or whatever, Lord, we'd just be used to impact the next thousand years, Lord, should you tarry. Lord, I pray that you would just move upon each one of us today to make the most of today and to keep the faith and to press on, Lord, knowing that the miracle might just be right around the corner, but regardless, we're going to have faith and we're going to have the attitude of Jesus Christ with the mind of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. Pray that you bless each one of us. Help us have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you later Wednesday or Friday night. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.